Welcome to Mindful Empowerment. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Elizabeth, where we seek to mindfully empower ourselves by considering different perspectives and making more informed choices. Today, we have a special guest with us, Dr. Pam Popper. She is the founder and president of Wellness Forum Health. The company offers educational programs to both consumers and providers that facilitate informed medical decision-making. Pam is also a public policy expert and continually works towards changing laws that interfere with patients' rights to choose their health provider and method of care. She has um, testified in front of um, numerous committees, um, written books, appeared in different documentaries, and we're um, very excited to have us here with us today. And also, she is not afraid to tell the truth and be controversial. Thanks for being here, Pam. Thank you. I'll try to be my controversial best. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Maybe just in brief, kind of an introduction, um, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about um, maybe what inspires you or motivates you to do everything that you do um, and and have done? Yeah. I mean, it's a very simple concept, actually. It occurred to me about 30 years ago, I think, that when people make major decisions in their life, they go about it in a very particular way about, you know, checking things out, asking questions, confirming things, gathering facts, okay? And then they make a decision, all right? And, and the decision usually is somewhat based on facts. There's some subjectivity to it. Like I might want to buy a house that you don't want to live in, but we can figure out what the house is worth, right? That's not, that's not a mystery. And so, and, and people are proud of the way they buy things, actually. I'm sure you've sat at the dinner table with people who've said, and I told that banker that interest rate needed to come down. I looked into it, right? Okay, so I want you to contrast that with the way that people consume information and advice about health, all right? After all that careful checking to buy a house or a car or set up a retirement account, people walk into a doctor's office and the doctor says, you need an $80,000 surgery. And people say, okay, how about next Thursday? All right, which is insane. I mean, this is just insane. And so what my business endeavors endeavored and still endeavors to do is to teach people how to, how to look at health-related information that's scientific and arrive at fact-based conclusions so they can make better choices. Because I've heard for years, if I'd known then what I know now, I never would have done a particular thing. And then we teach healthcare practitioners how to use this in their practice as well. And so this COVID thing, when it came up, I mean, that's the thing everybody's talking about right now. It's just one more issue of checking out facts and seeing what's really true and arriving at conclusions. Our people know how to do that. They were, they've been the most unhinged, the most, the most uh, or the most least unhinged. The most unhinged people are the people who don't know how to sort out truth from fiction and get carried away watching television, you know, because it scares them. So... So that's basically what motivates me. I want people to be as intelligent about the way they buy health as they are about other things. Right. You bring up a lot of good points there. A lot of people just go into the doctor's office, you know, or the, or the pharmacy and kind of get whatever prescription they're, they're handed without really thinking twice about mm -hmm. it. And um, I think I think like the, the whole point on treating your health care like you would anything else and really rationally consider some other perspectives also yeah. is is key and, and I know you have your site drpampopper.com um, where you have different a lot a lot of different health information and people can you know go to you one-on-one -on -one and you have videos and then you also have the make Americans free again website focusing right, right on more like legislative action and and um, what, what people can do on that route so what 
I mean, yeah, COVID is obviously big on people's minds right now. And what, what for you is the biggest thing right now kind of on your, your radar, um, like what people need to know, what they can do, um, practical actions that they can take, um, ways that they might be um, being misinformed right now just on listening to the mainstream media? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add something in there. Um, we can talk about Make Americans Free again a little bit because I think that's a big action step people can take. But wellnessforumhealth.com is my company's website. We post newsletters and videos, lots of stuff there for people to look at. Um, I think the biggest thing is that um, when it's all said and done, if I had to boil this down to a paragraph, what we're experiencing is medical tyranny. Okay, Medical tyranny is the use of health to control people. And it's done, it's been done for years. It's things like, you know, you're a nurse, you can't work in the hospital unless you get a vaccine, or you've got a five-year-old with a behavior problem and some psychiatrist says, we're going to turn you into child protective services if you don't drug the child, right? That's all medical tyranny. So this is the use of medical tyranny to control people. And what, what they have done, what the people behind this have done is they have taken seasonal flu and turned it into, misrepresented it as a pandemic in order to destroy small business destroy the middle class, destroy children. I mean, the leading cause of death for 10 to 14 year olds in Ohio right now is suicide, All right? Suicide, right? That should make everybody stop for just a second and think about what we're doing. So that's what's going on right now. And, and people who are used to practicing informed medical decision-making, which is what we promote here, there, our, our people got on the phone, called two hospitals and, and, and said, I knew, it was, I knew it was nothing as soon as I started checking it out. The people who are sideways about it are the ones who are glued to the TV, believing what they are told. And, and that's been going on forever. I mean, look at the influence of pharmaceutical advertising on mainstream media. In 2019, I think it was, the five major broadcast networks took $51 billion from big pharma and advertising. And it's not just the commercials they influence. They influence what's on the news. They influence what's on debates and talk shows and all that sort of his very carefully crafted message that Americans get about health. And it's not a very good one. It's bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical companies. So, um, so th that's the thing that, to know about COVID. It's the seasonal flu. We've never closed anything down for the seasonal flu. More people died of tuberculosis last year than died of COVID. We didn't shut anything down over tuber tuberculosis. That's been going on for a long, long time, right? So um, that's the story. Yeah. And just so in the short amount of time to connect some of those dots, like you're saying now the flu is pretty much disappeared in numbers. Mm -hmm. We have, we have yeah, what are the odds? <laughs> right. And yeah. looking at the, who stands to gain, look at some of the money and the financial mm -hmm. um, things behind it. And then putting it in perspective that, you know, throughout all, all, you know, time, or, you know, as far as you want to look at, there's always, you know, one, one people that want to control other people and medical tyranny. And it's because some people might not believe, oh, how could something like this be happening? You know, when I, when I know so, and then maybe looking at like the number of people that have died, it's really not statistically, you know, all that, all that different from previous years. And so, to, so to you, do you look at, um, do you look at COVID as a new, um, like, I guess, well, you, you, you kind of answered that, but in different per opinions as far as like, is this a, a new virus? Is this just something we used to call the flu? Um, you know, some people saying, well, the virus, that's just um, like the exosome. It's not really something that's we have proven that we've isolated it and it's going to cause this. Yeah. Um, what's kind of your take on that? Well, the first thing is it is a, it's a new virus. 
And and by the way, that you know, some some of the discussion, there are two sides of this issue, people who think that we're having a pandemic and they're hiding in the basement with a mask on. Then you've got people who are saying this is ridiculous. And I, I think there are a growing number of them, you know, that I've said for a long time, they do not have a very good exit plan and they've overplayed their hand. And so their their own their their own side is starting to turn on them. I'm seeing that happen here in Ohio where I live. But but having said that, there's some ridiculous theories floating around. Right? This this is a virus. There's a virus called SARS-CoV-2. Almost every year, there's some new seasonal strain of virus. So the fact that a new virus, you know, comes to the world, is not unusual. Happens all the time. So so let's get over that part, right? SARS-CoV-2 causes a disease called COVID-19. And it is pretty mild for 99.9% of the people. The most vulnerable are the people who are always most vulnerable to flu, primarily elderly people who are taking multiple medications, some of whom are at the end of their life anyway. And, and I want to press, you know, say this, anybody who dies is a tragedy for a family and friends and, and that sort of thing. So I, I never want to be cavalier about that. But on the other hand, I think we have to look at if you're 90 years old and you're living in a care home, in a bed taking five drugs, probably you're not going to live until the end of this year. So something is gonna do it and the flu might be the thing that does it for you, okay? So, so those are always vulnerable people. And then when you, when you take it down a step, people who are not in care homes, the most vulnerable are sick, people who are taking chemotherapy for cancer and that sort of thing. So, so it would not be crazy idea to think about how to protect those people, but this idea of locking everybody else down is ridiculous, right? So we have a virus, it's new, it happens all the time. It mutates, that happens, all viruses mutate, everything mutates. It causes a condition called SARS, uh, COVID-19, which is not serious for most people. Um, the, in this whole business of it's an exosome and it's a, it, the virus doesn't exist and it's never been isolated, it's absolutely been isolated. You can go to GenBank and other places, you can look at it, all right? Um, so so it's difficult, um, you know, it's gotten very difficult for people like us every time I get up and address somebody, our attorney talked to our legislature this week and had to start by saying, I'm not a virus denier. You know, the virus exists and it causes COVID-19. And the, and the fact that we've been put in that defensive position by people who talk about this kind of thing is, is unsettling. But um, I mean, it's just, we live, as long as we live in a somewhat free country, notice I put somewhat as the qualifier, we're going to have people talking about whatever they want to talk about, which I support. It just makes our life a little bit harder as a result. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, and I might add, you know, some people would point to the isolation process saying they're adding this in or that and, and debating. And I'm all for people having different opinions and, and views. But I mean, even regardless of where, where someone's opinion is on that, to go down to we're going to lock up America, we're going to close down businesses, we're going right. to take away your freedoms. And, and, and some of this, and not to interrupt you, but, but this whole business of denying that the virus exists, misses the greater point, which is what you're talking about, okay? Well, while, while people are having this, and I tell people, you know, just to think about the luxury of sitting around all day long talking about whether the virus exists and making videos about it, why don't you go help the starving people? Why don't you help prevent the kids from killing themselves? Why don't you help parents get their kids out of school and homeschool? And why don't you do small business rescue? Why don't you contribute to our lawsuits? Why don't you set up 
uh, an activism group in your state that can help contribute to a lawsuit in your state. There's so many productive things that people could be doing besides making the job harder for people who are actually trying to save the country, you know. And I, I you know, in the in medicine, I, I, I've said for years, we, we engage in an awful lot of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, the ship is sinking and we're focusing on everything except the thing that would save the people on the boat so they don't go down with it, right? And um, and so there's a, there's a little bit of that, and I and I don't mean to sound angry about it, but but um, we're fight. It is David and Goliath, and when David starts fighting with David, you know, it makes fighting with Goliath even harder. So um, I've said many times, you know, let's have the discussion about exosomes another time, because if we're not careful, and we don't focus on the right thing, we're going to be having that discussion in the gulag. That's where it's going to go, right? And I'm not kidding. I mean, we're living in a, uh, I got taken off of YouTube for a week for talking about lawsuit updates. It is now against the law to talk about your litigation on YouTube. So keep having that exosome discussion, keep distracting the conversation because you're going to have that conversation in the gulag if we don't get everybody focused on what's really going on here and start you know, all, all hands on deck to free ourselves from tyranny. Right, exactly. I, mean, I just got a warning on on YouTube for talking about one of of my videos, and we need to focus on the big picture. And we're always discovering more things, as I know you point out in in medical science. We yeah. used to think one thing was good, and then we have more information, and we figure out something else. But to focus right. on the big picture right now and what we can really do to to make that change. So exactly, you know, as you say, exactly. we don't end up out, you know, on the gulag. So should we, <laughs> should we focus mostly on like where where should most people focus right now if they're generally concerned about, you know, we want to be free and to not get distracted on maybe some of our differences because an easy thing is to, you know, divide and conquer. Right, right. You know? And I think we all agree on the bigger picture. And, and, and by the way, I fully support anybody's right to say anything. Part of the problem is that this, this, that some people can't listen to a point of view that's different than theirs, right? So, and, and also we have a, another, the other side, the, the people that we're fighting against are looking for anything to discredit us. So that just makes it an easy target, right? So that's my, my complaint about it. Not that people have a difference of opinion. Like you said, that's how we all get smarter is sharing ideas and compare, you know, having disagreements about things. I think that's great. In terms of how we're going to fix this, you know, it, it, let, let's talk about what's gone on so far. People have signed petitions and declarations. They've protested. They've written to their elected officials. They've shown up and testified and brought huge packages of information and evidence. Um, they've brought in suffering people and all this kind of stuff's gone on, right? And have you noticed nothing's changed? Then they started filing lawsuits, 5,000 of them in the United States. We've reviewed a lot of them. Most of them lost, right? So, so the first thing we have to do is we have to put all that aside and say, listen, if it hasn't worked, we're not going to do any more of it. What we're proposing, what we are doing, is we're we're filing a different kind of lawsuit, and we're we're filed in two states and against the federal government. Three more coming, and and our lawsuits actually challenge the emergency declaration. Say so there is no emergency; it was falsely declared. Officials know it. We don't say this, but it really indicates that they're committing fraud, and that um, uh, the all this damage and everything else is due to a fraudulent situation. Well, what this does, the thing that makes what we're doing different is the reason other lawsuits have failed is because when they are filed and say, you're violating my constitutional rights, that is true. The other side says, oh, but it's an emergency. And the judge says, oh, well, yeah, they got a lot of emergency power, right? So we have what we've done is you can't, the answer to it's not an emergency can't be it's an emergency. You have to actually prove it. 
And in fact, all of it, if you look at all of our court filings and everything else, there has been absolutely nothing submitted to the court to refute what we're saying, only attempts to not have to go to court, all right, trying to get it dismissed. And so our attorney said uh, a couple months ago, you know, I don't understand what you're doing here. You claim there's an emergency and you call us names. It seems to me the easiest thing would be to prove us wrong with data, all right? And then just think of the press conference you could have. You took on Pam Popper and Tom Rans. You proved these people are idiots out there. It really is a pandemic, right? It, and, and all the governors of the states would be calling to thank you for not having to go through all this. There, there's only one reason why you wouldn't come up with the information, because we're right and you can't prove us wrong. So it's very telling that we started this whole litigation thing last August, and they haven't submitted a single document or data point to try to prove us wrong. All they're doing is trying to not have to go to court. All right. And sooner or later, I mean, if we file enough lawsuits, the more of them we file, the luckier we get, because we only need to win one. Only one. We prove fraud one time someplace in the United States of America, and this whole thing starts coming apart. And it's going to happen. Believe me, it's going to happen. We have the facts on our side. Right. And it, I think it, you know, people might wonder if, you know, if they could silence, I guess, the president, you know, they took down his Twitter and people point to like, oh, he, he didn't get a fair trial. Even if we tried to put forth more legislation and lawsuits, how can we know that the process isn't going to get get corrupted? Well, the court system is the last branch of government that's working. All right. So we have to use the courts and we have problems in the courts, too, which is why you file in every state, you file in every jurisdiction. And like I said, it's the law of numbers, okay? I mean, I come from a background of making numbers work for me, all right? And, and I used to be a sales trainer before I was in healthcare. And I used to tell salespeople all the time, even a blind squirrel finds acorns. They look around long enough for it, okay? So if you call on enough people, you'll sell enough business. That's always the way I train sales trainers. Same thing. If we file enough lawsuits, we only have to win one, all right? Every time we file another one, we get closer to, you know, we only need one judge, to allow discovery, it, just the discovery process. One judge who says, I'm not backing down, you're gonna come up with the documents and we start to win. We're already winning just by filing, by drawing attention to it and posting hundreds of pages of documentation to support what we're doing on our website at Make Americans Free Again, all right? Um, but to your point about legislation, and, and this is a very important part of what we're doing, the, the legislatures are useless in every, almost every state, okay? There are a couple exceptions to the rule. Ours here, last year, it made me ill, physically sick to watch these people get on television every day. Oh, my district is devastated and the kids are killing themselves. And then they would not pass, uh, they wouldn't uh, in, uh, impeach the little governor here. And he is a little man. What, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when the soul leaves the body, you shrink. And that's exactly what's happened to him. You look at a picture of him today, he looks like a little dwarf getting in front of the podium right now. He's just a criminal despot. Anyway, um, the bottom line is that the legislature did nothing to rein him in. They didn't take his emergency powers away. Nothing. All right. And they all got elected again. That's shame on us. All right. And so one of the things that we're doing in Ameri Make Americans Free Again is while we're building these state, we call it the ground game that can support these very expensive lawsuits, we're gathering names that can be sorted by district. So I'll give you an example of how this can work and how, what our plan is, all right? So I don't know if you saw that video. It's so despicable, I can't begin to tell you when Mr. Fauci said, we're gonna have a pandemic during Trump's presidency, right? Very psychic guy. I wish I had that kind of psychic power. You too, we'd be billionaires in the stock market if we knew all that, right? 
Well, I, I'm kidding, of course, but what if I'd had that same psychic dream and started Make Americans Free Again in 2017, okay? What I could have done when this all started last summer was really when we kind of realized how bad this was gonna be. We could have sorted the Ohio database for Make Americans Free Again and gone down to the legislature with boxes of voters, boxes and boxes and lists and lists. My own Senator, I think she won her race by 12 votes this time. Okay, some of these, because can you imagine sitting down with somebody like this and saying, look, you've never been real popular, just to be honest between us. All right, so if you don't vote to impeach the governor, I have 19,000 people in, our, in your district that are gonna take you out. So you're either gonna impeach him or you're not coming back. And that's the only thing they care about. These legislators do not care about you or me or our families or our businesses or our kids committing suicide or bankruptcies or homelessness or anything. They just care about being in office. And if we could threaten them that way, they would do what we wanted. It's a new thing called Citizens in Charge. We say that right on their website. And people come up with all kinds of reasons why it won't work. It'll work. People say sometimes, well, but the president of the Senate won't take the vote. Oh, yeah, he will. Because what you do is you bring in dollies, you know, pallets full of votes. And you say, listen, in Ohio, we've got a super Republican majority here. I could say, could have said last year to the guy who was president of the Senate, who actually complained to a media outlet that people were picketing in front of his house. Can you imagine? <laughs> he thinks that as a public official, he shouldn't have to deal with that at dinner time. I would have said, look, we're not doing so well with Republicans. We're going to try our hand with Democrats. What you see in this room full of boxes votes that will take out your caucus. If your caucus is gone, you don't get to come back, right? This is how you talk to them. This is what they care about. And I'll tell you what, you start going state by state and district by district and taking people out, they will start listening to us. Right now, and I go back to all the crying on the air, acting so sympathetic, knowing in their hearts and minds, it doesn't matter what I do, I'll get elected, and then they did. And then we sit back and say, we can't do anything. Yes, we can, we can get rid of them, but we're not gonna get rid of them unless we have this kind of centralized database that can be sorted. The actual parties don't have this, all right? The, the, the major political parties have names and email addresses. And if you had 25 million names and email addresses, you couldn't gather up a hundred people in a particular location because you don't know where to find them, right? You gotta be able to sort those people by zip code. So I've been talking for a long time, but the reason I think this is so important to understand is that I don't want people feeling helpless because when you feel helpless and hopeless, you just sit back and wait for things to come to an end. And I want, I want 337 million Americans to say, I don't have to take this anymore. I'm sick of it. We can do something about it. I'm getting on board. I'm doing my part. And we can together make a change, a big change from the ground up. And I'll tell you, people talk about this being like Venezuela and China. You know what makes it different than Venezuela and China here in the United States? We have great local government. We have localized government. We have to capitalize on that to get control of our country and our lives again. And so really at the local level, that's the best way for people to start just getting involved. And sign, you know, up, sign up and start groups because when you start groups, like what's happened in Ohio, we've been at this since last summer. We got groups all over the state. We can raise in one night, we can raise five, ten thousand dollars for our attorneys in two hours. All right. And so, and you have to pay attorneys. There are no free attorneys that are gonna take this on and work for free for the next two and a half years. If you have a young family, you just can't do it, right? So you're gonna have to pay these people. And if you get this done right, you can pay your attorneys pretty well and easily. 
And then you build that database because if 2022 comes and we're not prepared to take them out, shame on us. That's bad. That's our bad because we have created the vehicle by which it can be done. Now the question is, is everybody going to get on board and make it happen? And so what is, you know, the you know, average person listening do like to get involved at the you know, local level? What's kind of the first thing that they should they should do? Terrific question. So send me an email at pampopper at msn.com. And the first thing we'll do is we'll start sending you an email every day, either a newsletter or a video that talks about everything COVID and what we're doing. All right. Then participate in one of my Thursday conference calls. Every Thursday at noon Eastern time, I do a conference call to help people get started and mobilizing. And this is stuff everybody can do. I think one of the things in the past is that people have felt uh, when you start talking about going to talk to elected officials, people go, oh, I couldn't do that, or I couldn't testify in front of it. And not everybody can do that, right? But everybody can invite somebody to their house Thursday night for a meeting, all right? Just start with one person. I started with five. We've got thousands of groups, right? So and this is stuff everybody can do. Everybody can start a Thursday group. Everybody can build a Thursday group. Thursday groups are powerful. I mean, our Thursday group underwrote, we had a big party for Valentine's Day to raise money for our lawyers. In two minutes, I, I actually timed it. It took two minutes to get the entire cost of the event underwritten by members and to get the volunteers that took to make the food and do everything that needed to be done for the event. Two minutes. And then we raised, I think, about $8,000 for the attorneys. All right. Um, we are doing small business rescue. We, we all get together and, and um, support businesses that need revenue because they're destroyed. And I mean, the $600 that the government sent the last time, this is a newsflash for the feds. $600 won't take care of a family of four for very long when their business is not doing well, right? So, so we, um, everybody brings to their Thursday groups uh, lists of businesses that need support, and we go spend money there. We have events and that sort of thing at these businesses. So um, this is stuff everybody can do. Everybody can order an extra takeout meal. Everybody can come to a meeting on Thursday night. Everybody can, and, and I'll tell you where people, where we're telling people to find the money. Have you noticed none of us get to do anything anymore? Like I used to buy tickets to the ballet company. Well, there's no dance concerts, right? We used to travel, we're not doing that. If you add up all that money and you start reallocating it to saving your community, all the money you spent on tickets and all the money you spent joining things and everything else that you can't do anymore, just reallocate that money right now if you're still employed towards saving your community and it adds up really, really fast. Great, man. I hope everybody will check that out. And maybe just going back to your point about the people, you know, that are elected officials, they want to stay in power. And if we can show them that they're not going to have, you know, the votes if they proceed in a certain way, um, what would you say about, you know, people would say, well, my, I don't feel like my vote counts anymore, the electronic voter fraud, even if we can have, have the votes, what if they, you know, whatever you call it, some manipulation behind the scene, and we can't trust that our vote counts anymore? Well, the first thing is there wouldn't have been any mail-in voting if we had ended this in Ohio, all right? Ohio was the model state. We were the first to shut down. And it's an interesting story about this. Our, our little nitwit governor actually made a good television personality, conservative, Midwestern state, very, at the time, popular conservative governor. And he did all this, right? So that made him the toast of the town. I don't think people want to talk to him much anymore now. But, but um, in any case, if we had ended this, if we had basically impeached him, gotten him out of here, gone back to normal, uh, we would have been the first instead of Florida. And it would have shown a model for the rest of the country. There wouldn't have been mail-in voting. The second thing is, to your point, my vote doesn't count. Well, it doesn't count unless it's aggregated properly. 
Okay. You've got, and, and you can have conversations. In other words, here's what I can't do. I'm willing to have conversations with legislators in my state. I know some big, loudmouth people like me in other states willing to do it too. All right. But what I can't do is sit down with my senator and say, I have 19,000 people in her district if I don't have 19,000 people in her district. Okay. So the only thing that makes your vote not count is if you choose to not aggregate it with a group that is representing you to undo all of this and to change it. And part of the how this all this voter fraud happened in addition to the fake virus pandemic creating the mail-in bo- voting ballot thing is the elected despot officials that are criminals in my opinion and don't represent us allowed all this. Who bought the voting machines, all right? Who made the contracts with Dominion? Elected officials. All right. So we have to get rid of them. We have to elect people who will support voter integrity. All right. So so the solution to everything I mean, you can if you're and I'll say this, if you're sitting and watching this and you're determined not to get involved, you'll think of something in your head to keep you from getting involved. This won't work and that won't work. Well, get used to living in the People's Republic of America if you're going to sit there and do nothing, because I don't have magical powers. Right. And part of the problem, by the way, is a lot of well-meaning people in the past have tried to do something about this. And part of the problem is that people sit back and what they want is a dozen people who work hard to report to them how they're fixing everything. Well, we've seen how well that works, right? We went through a period of time at the beginning of the year. I think people thought Trump was going to parachute down into the South Lawn and say, virus be gone and everything would be fine. Well, that wouldn't have happened even if you kept the White House. It does, it's not a substitute for citizen engagement. Like you have to help, you have to do your part. So if you sit there and think about all the ways it won't work, you're contributing to the problem. If you say, look, I've got nothing to lose. I'm living. I think we froze up there a minute, Pam. I'm not sure if you can um, still see me. Hey, it looks like it froze up there and we lost Pam, Dr. Pam Popper, Popper, but we really appreciate um, her time. And you can find the information we were talking about at makeamericansfreeagain.com. You can also email info at makeamericansfreeagain.com. Find out what you can do locally, sign up for the newsletter, and don't procrastinate. Take action today. Thanks for watching and subscribing to Mindful Empowerment.